Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. How's it going, everybody? Well, we are officially in the lead up to Christmas. I know that in the, uh, well, the commercial world, the consumerist world, we've been in the lead up to Christmas since Easter. <laughs> but, but certainly for us as a church, we've really turned that corner as we start to lean into the Christmas spirit. And as we start to get our head in the right spaces, we remember that Christmas is not a season that's owned by um, H&M, but it's a season that's, that's owned by the church. It's a season that, that represents the birth of Jesus Christ, the sent one from the Father. And we want to spend the next three weeks in the lead up to our Christmas Eve service and a Boxing Day online and uh, looking into the new year. Talking about, uh, I guess, a series that we want to call A God Who Came Close. And we understand that Jesus is Emmanuel, the sent one of the Father that he put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. But we want to look at the Godhead and the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and how really throughout human history, each one in their own right, God has come close at different times. And we want to really culminate that with our Easter service, uh, excuse me, with our Christmas Eve service, and really believe and look in and lean into the fact that Jesus is the one who came close. He's the baby in the manger. But also scope out a little bit, zoom out and realize that we serve a God who came close throughout all of human history. And so I've got a scripture that I want to read you today, which is the clearest scripture or one of the clearest scriptures that we see in all of the Bible of all three members of the Godhead in one place at the same time, visible to us. And uh, it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 13, and historically is known as simply the time where Jesus was baptized into the Jordan River. And the Bible says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying that I need to be baptized by you, he said. He said, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As John, uh, uh, excuse me, says, as so soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. Pray that you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was baptized. The Father affirmed him. And the Spirit, in the form of a dove, the Bible says, and, and, and the dove alighted on him. In other words, it landed on him. It came down to be with him. All three members here of the Godhead in one place. Condescension is a word that we try and avoid, and rightly so. It's a word that's not hugely positive. It, have, it has negative connotations. We want to avoid being condescending, and we also want to avoid interacting with people who are condescending. This is why the definition of condescension is clear. It is to exhibit patronizing behavior with a we know better attitude. To exhibit patronizing behavior with a we know better attitude. The last thing that we want is to be accused of being condescending. And the last thing we want 
is to be in a scenario where we're being patronized by another person. These are things that we try and avoid. But there is another alternative definition. There's another meaning, a bit more nuanced and subtle, often hidden from view. And that is simply this. A voluntary descent from one's rank or dignity in relation to an inferior. Let me say that one more time. A voluntary descent from one's rank or dignity in relation to another. Think of any parent that voluntarily descends in rank or dignity in relation to their child to play a game, to pick up their toys, to get dirty in the sandbox, to swim at the beach. Think of a descent of someone who has a higher position in dignity or rank in relation to another, a voluntary descent. You see, our God is often seen as condescending, aloof, snooty, posh, too good, disinterested, or judgmental. But in the month of December, we want to highlight the other side of that coin to focus on the fact that God is not condescending, but God did condescend. That God took a voluntary descent in relation to us and inferior. As Christians, I think very early on in our faith, we begin to wrap our head around the concept of Jesus coming to the earth. I mean, you walk past any department store and you see the nativity scene. Sometimes a little seldom these days, but you see the nativity scene and the hay bales and baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and, you know, the shepherds and it's great and angels and animals. And we, we, we understand this concept, but I guess what we want to do in this next few weeks is highlight not just the prophesied Savior, not just the Messiah, not just the sent one, because we should focus on Him. But we want to focus on a broader picture that our God embodied in Jesus has come close to us. I remember walking through the Louvre, and I don't say that as a flex, although it is, with Nadia. And it was a romantic time that we had together in Paris for the first time, walking through the Louvre. And I remember just being astounded at the amount of paintings, portraits, sculptures, uh, statues of Jesus. If not Jesus on the cross, then Jesus as a man. If not Jesus as a man, then Jesus as a baby. If not Jesus as a baby, then Jesus' mum, usually with Jesus as a baby. I was expecting to see the Mona Lisa and pictures of fruit, you know, and statues of knights. But there was so much Jesus. It seemed like that whole space, that whole museum just screamed about the condescension of God, the coming down, the voluntary descent of our God into our lives. We want to focus on the fact that it's inherent that God has come close in Jesus. He came close through Jesus, with Jesus. He is Jesus. The book of John chapter 1 and verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love the book of John. It goes on to say this, He was with God in the beginning, through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We see in the story of God's redemption journey for His people cameos of involvement from all three members of the Godhead. 
John 1, 1 again. In the beginning was the Word, uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's this sense that Jesus is the Word, and He was with God, and He was God. This amazing, wonderful mystery, the simultaneous sense of our God who's three in one. And that's my first point today. I'll go on to, to deliver, I, I, I hope, some clarity around the fact that I think our Father came close, our Father God came close even before Jesus was manifest. But the first thing I wanted to say today, and this is just a little teaching for a minute, I think it's really important that we understand that our God is three in one, that we believe in a word that on the one hand describes what we believe as monotheism. We believe in one God, mono, one God, but that that God is three in one. We believe in one God, one creator, one ultimate and supreme being. But at the same time, we do believe that the mystery of that God is that he's three persons existing eternally in one way in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Another theological word to throw out there today, well, if we're doing it, let's just do it a couple of times, that might help us describe what we're talking about today is this, the Trinitarian Godhead. The word Trinity or Trinitarian or even the word Godhead is not necessarily biblical language, but friends, neither is communion. That these are words that helped us after the fact describe what was taking place. And when we think about God, we use this word Trinity or this word Godhead we believe in this concept of there being this mysterious three-in-one in this one being that exists for eternity. That Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the sent ones of the Father. That in a sense, we believe that the Father is like the first amongst equals. Try and wrap your head around that. That the Father sends the Son, the Father sends the Spirit, but the three of them have relationship and form what we believe is one God. Jesus constantly defers to the Father. He constantly talks about the Father. He constantly lifts up the Father. He acknowledges Him. He finds vision from the Father. I don't do anything that I haven't yet seen the Father do first. Matthew 3.16 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, He went down, He came up out of the water, and at that moment, a dove came down from heaven, and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, and His Father spoke and said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. T.D. Jakes has this great phrase. How many does he have? So many. He says, our God is beyond our intellect. And if you can define him and completely describe him and say that you are the end-all definition, he ceases to be God. Our God is three in one. And if you're taking notes, write this down. We believe that all three manifestations have made appearances. We believe that all three manifestations have made appearances. Our God's three in one, but all three parts have had roles to play and continue to do so. 1 Timothy 3.16 is one of my favorite scriptures on this topic is this. But beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. In other words, it's a mystery and it's a great mystery from which all godliness springs. The mystery is huge. He appeared in flesh, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. We believe that God is eternally existing in three persons, that he is three persons or three manifestations in relationship with one another, existing all the time. The message translation says this, that this Christian life is a great mystery, exceeding our understanding, 
but some things are clear enough. I heard this recently, that we can't erase mystery for certainty in the name of orthodoxy. We can't erase mystery, because the Bible says there is, quite clearly, and that it is great, for certainty and the search for what we believe to be certain in the name of Christian orthodoxy. In other words, God's three-in-oneness is a mystery to us. Someone else said it's like a dimmer switch, going from mystery to certainty all the time. And as soon as you feel like we're certain on an issue, we realize it becomes a mystery. And when we're lost in the mystery, sometimes we find certainty. What is clear is that we see God at work throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. What is clear is that each of these interactions is from a different member of this Godhead at work in the lives of human beings. We see many interactions. In the book of Genesis, we see this, this voice of the Father, Yahweh, our God, benevolent creator. He says, let us make man in our image. Let us, the community and the relationship that we have together. The Father speaking to many people throughout human history. To Abraham, to Noah, Jacob's vision, Isaiah's vision. We have all of these moments where God speaks. But then we have these moments in the Old Testament, we call them theophanies. A theophany is an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, like a cameo, like Samuel L. Jackson in, in all of the Marvel movies. Jesus came and split time in two. His life, his birth at Christmas, his death at Easter, his resurrection. All of these moments, the, the life that he had, obviously Jesus has turned the world upside down. But he had these little cameos, theophanies. The angel of the Lord wrestling with Jacob, we believe, is a theophany. Uh, the fourth man in the fire that looked like the Son of God, we believe, another one. The rock in the desert, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the snake that Moses lifted up to heal God's people, we believe, if not was Jesus, then was a symbolic representation, a foreshadowing of his birth at Christmas and death at Easter. The Holy Spirit making his explosive appearance in the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, but we believe that when we read even Genesis chapter 1, that the Spirit was hovering above the waters, that all these moments where our God came close, that our God didn't just come close one time. Like that father that one time kicked the ball around with the kids and said, great, I've done it. I've thrown the Frisbee one time, tick that box. That our God consistently on a redemptive journey throughout human history has come close. If you're taking notes, we believe in a God who's three in one. We believe that all three of those manifestations and person, persons of the Trinitarian Godhead have come close. But if you're taking notes, could you write this down? We believe that the Father came close. We believe that the Father came close. Now, on the one hand, this whole conversation is redundant. Because if Jesus came close, then inherently, in the person of Christ, is the fullness of God. The Bible says in John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, in the beginning was Jesus. He was with God. They were creating together. They were making it happen. But in saying that, Jesus, the Word, was God. That this mystery certainty dynamic is at play at all times. That Jesus was sent from the Father, that Jesus is God. So that when we celebrate Jesus, we are indeed celebrating God. But on the other hand, we are highlighting that God's love is for us and it is so strong 
that He has been working for millennia to bring us close to Him, to bring us back into relationship. The Father, our Creator God, the Great I Am, the Alpha, the Omega, Yahweh, the Deliverer of the Israelites, the Provider of the Ten Commandments, the Voice and the Light on the Mount of Transfiguration, the, the Voice that carved out the the, the moment that gave the law to God's people that would propel them into great success in their future. Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. Jehovah Sidneku, the God, our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, our God, our peace. Our Father, Creator God, was present and active for thousands of years before the physical and tangible arrival of a rabbi from Nazareth. He had relationships with people. He appeared, he spoke, he came close, he was not far off, he was involved. In short, God has been active for a long time. Right now I'm in this beautiful auditorium and it speaks of generations, it speaks of church history. But it can speak to of silence and isolation to find his presence in the mystery of God. Right now, in this present time, this place is silent and empty, but he's present. But when we zoom out and take a broader look at human history, we realize that God has been very active and at times very noisy. In the Old Testament, God had relationships. The Bible even says that in the Old Testament, God had friends. James 2 verse 23 says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. They had a relationship and he was called God's friend. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. We've got the story of Enoch who was taken up Maybe God loved him so much and thought, you know what? Come and stay with me tonight. Uh, the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And he was a friend of God. Moses, a friend of God. These relationships, the, that relationship he had with Noah, there is an incredible moment in the book of Exodus where we see God appear to Moses. And, and in Exodus 33, this is uh, 14 through 23 verses. It says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up. But let's skip ahead, let's skip ahead, verse 17. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. We're boys. You and me, we're tight. I got you. You want to see my glory? Let's do this. Verse 18, then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will. And I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Amen. And I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I have, I'll have mercy with those who have mercy, compassion with those who have compassion. Uh, and then he said, you cannot see my face because no one that sees my face will live. So Moses is like, show me your glory. Like Moses had an awesome, he was in awe of God. He had an awesome relationship with God. But he also was like, man, show me your glory. Like we've been talking, we've been hanging, but I'm king. Bring me in. And God said, I'll bring you in. But I, I'll let it pass in front of you, but I've got to hide you because if you can't see me with your face because you'll die. So I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock and then when I pass by, you'll see my back, which is my glory. God's granting him 
access, which no one had ever had before. But this is in the book of Exodus, not Acts chapter 2. We've got God coming close. Verse 21, Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. Well, it's interesting, we read in the Bible that Jesus is referred to as, a rock, as, refers, is, is referred to as a rock. There's a place near me on a rock. Wow. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft on that rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses. These are all people that interacted with God. But, but this moment with Moses, I think, is particularly powerful because he shows up. You know, I don't know if you've ever met a hero. You know, we were, we were in Los Angeles one time at the Staples Center, and we were the only people getting our photo in front of the Wayne Gretzky statue. Because only, we're only the Canadians there. Everyone else is like Shaq and Kobe, Magic, Kareem. But there was the, the Gretzky, the great one. We were like, we have to get a photo in front of the Wayne Gretzky statue, you know, because he's a hero. He's the greatest hockey player of all time. When you meet a hero, not in statue form, but in reality, sometimes you're disappointed because they are not who you thought they would be. When it comes to this moment here, this is not one of those moments that God turns up and his presence is so potent that the next thing that happens in this moment is that he gives Moses a second copy of the Ten Commandments. So gracious. He saves them, then provides guidelines for the best way of living for his people. God came close. The old caricature of the father being a salty old man who's angry at us just does not stack up. And that Jesus came as a tolerant version of God to clean up the mess and bring people close does not stack up with what we read in the Old Testament. God was so determined to keep a relationship with his people that he came close. Jesus is not that progressive son who came full of tolerance and acceptance, who was different than the father. They are the same. Firstly, the, the father and the son, Jesus, are one. And secondly, the father came close long before he sent Jesus to really culminate in the redemptive journey of humanity. God built relationships. God spoke. He was active. He made covenants. And we read that he had friends. In the book of Genesis, we see clearly the tangible role of the father in the garden. We read in Genesis 3 verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We imagine this might be either early in the morning or potentially it's always been perceived that it would be in the evening in the twilight. Sun's gone down, God's walking around. Wow, in the cool of the day. Having relationship with those that he's created. Walking in the garden, present. Building a sense of camaraderie, relationship, team. At this point, Adam and Eve had already fallen, but there he is, walking in the garden at the cool of the day. Not afraid of their sin, not afraid of their rebellion, but coming for them, actively searching for the sinner. My friends understand today that he is still active. The world, uh, this would set up a lengthy and detailed plan of the redemption of mankind, culminating in the birth of Jesus the birth that we celebrate in this season. But our God was a God who walked in the garden in the cool of the day. 
I guess in this series, what we wanted to do was bring us to a point where we understand that while celebrating Jesus, we need to understand that we are celebrating God. And as we look and celebrate God and we see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in union with one another, we realize that Jesus' birth is culmination of millennia-long journey of God bringing us back into relationship with himself and that Jesus is that once and for all sacrifice, that he's the embodiment of God on the earth, that that baby that came changed the world. And at the same time, God had been building relationship for years and years and years, generation upon generation upon generation. And I say all of that to say this, our God came close because he loves you. He's been trying to bring us back to that garden, cool of the day moment this whole time where you can walk with God in relationship with him. As some of you may know, I am a runner. I've started running. I've been running for about two years. I really enjoy it. And for the first portion of running, I did a lot of running with AirPods. I've now circled back to doing a bit more running with AirPods and music or podcasts. But there was a long period of time there, maybe 12 months, where I didn't do any running, listening to any music. I didn't have a smartwatch. I didn't bring AirPods with a cell phone. I just was enjoying being out there and feeling the wind through my hair, running along the river, along the Ottawa River, along the trails, and just being. And it was a time when I would run or when I would walk, when I would experience God's presence, not through prayer, but just through just existing. And when Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the garden and were shunned from the garden, just before that, God would come and still walk and he would find and he called out, knowing exactly what had taken place, looking to redeem and bring back into relationship. All these years later, God is doing the exact same thing. Not out of yearning or striving, but out of the fact that you and me just by existing need to understand that there is a God who has come close. And at Christmas time, is a wonderful, the best opportunity that we have to be reminded of the fact that our God is not distant and far off, but He is with us. The angel of the Lord speaks to Mary, speaks to Joseph, and says, um, you're going to give birth to a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel. They'll call him Jesus, but his name is Emmanuel. God came close. And understand today, that our series is about highlighting the fact that it wasn't just embodied in a man, but that it was a plan for a long, long time. And when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, we realize that that plan continued even after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. That the moment that that happened, He invited a helper, the Holy Spirit. But I'll let Tyler wrap that up in a few weeks. And so right now I'm praying, and I'm leaning into my screen, and I'm leaning into this camera, because I'm believing that there are Adam and Eve's out there who have rebelled against God and broken relationship with Him and done what they shouldn't have. And you're wondering, but in the cool of the garden, understand that in your life right now, our God came close from Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. And a key few books there, the start of the New Testament, after a gap from Malachi, Jesus, the rabbi from Nazareth, born as a baby, you're still looking for you. You might feel distant from God, far from Him. But understand this today. He came close to you and is still coming close. 
If we lean into him, he will lean into us. And today I'm going to give you a chance to call upon the name of the Lord, which is another way of saying to pray and understand that there are things that we've done to move us outside of God's will, to repent of those ways and those moments and those decisions, and to come back into relationship with Him. And by faith, we believe that we can do that. And so if you're watching today online and you're saying, I'm distant from God, I don't know Him, like I'm, um, this is news to me, then I'd love to pray a prayer that's a prayer and a moment and a decision that I pray that you'll remember that will change your life forever, but it's the start of an amazing journey walking with Jesus a journey that I've been on for over 20 years in my life. And so friend, if that's you today, you don't know Jesus, distant from Him, just away from God, I would love to handshake a moment where we can pray and we can bring you into relationship with God. So if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand or online today. I'm just going to ask you to um, press this button that says, I made, I'm making a decision for Christ. One of our prayer partners will pray with you. I'm going to pray this prayer together. And on the count of three, if that's you, press that button. One, two, three. Press it right now. Just acknowledging that you need prayer and we'll pray the simple prayer together and pray it with me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much. I'll see you next week. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.